This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Many thanks to Blake James, who made his seventh appearance on the program, but first oh boy. as director of athletics at Boston College. And so uh, my my show notes are all over the place, you know, because I got a little Radakovich at Clemson. I got a little Radakovich at Miami. I got a little Blake James at Miami. I got a little Blake James at BC. We got a little fake yep. left go rights all over the place here. But uh, good to have Blake James back in the ACC. He'll do a great job at Boston College. Yeah, we got more baseball. We'll talk about tough weekends for Louisville coming up. Uh, Mike Martin Jr. let go Friday afternoon pack, yeah, kind of like that. a four thirty type, five thirty type thing. <laughs> you know, hey, we're off to the weekend. Nothing to see over here. Oh, by the way, we're making a change in baseball at Florida State. So Mike Martin Jr. let go as the baseball coach after just three years, including one of them being the COVID year, uh, replacing his legendary father. And all of a sudden, a proud baseball alum is, you know, knocking off the number one seed and going to the College World Series. Plus, and I thought Kyle Peterson and Tom Hart outlined this on Friday night, uh, the ACC has, and you know this, we touched on it last week, two of the real marquee jobs now open in college baseball, Clemson and Florida State. Yep. Makes for a very interesting uh, next couple of weeks for athletic directors and fans of the league as well. No question. I mean, those are two national brands. Those are two big jobs. Right. And um, given mm-hmm. Link Jarrett's uh, Florida State ties, a lot of folks think, they well, let's just connect the dots there. Again, I'm not in a position of hiring or firing. That's not what I do for a living. Uh, but that will be a natural conversation. But before Link can worry about that, he's got to worry about, hey, let's go win a national championship in Omaha because that's exactly where we're going to find Notre yep. Dame playing for the next week and change. And after uh, really shocking the college baseball world, knocking off the dominant number one seed in Tennessee. But a great, great win for Notre Dame and for Link Jarrett, those guys, that team, and uh, I, th- I think for the league as well. It was a huge mm-hmm. boost given what happened with North Carolina and Louisville and Virginia Tech, unfortunately, over the weekend uh let's go to steven in little rock at 844 say acc and steven good morning good morning guys Packer, we up? had a conversation last week about this number one scene uh not not making it very far and i think yeah. we both agree that you're going to get knocked out don't put that number one seed by my name going into the at baseball tournament don't do it because it, you're, not gonna, I, I, you're not going to live very far and yeah, we brought that topic up last week, and, 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 and the key to that was I can't name another sport where the overall number one team has gone this long without winning the championship. And, again, Tennessee was a great program, a great team, and a great league uh, and dominated the Southeastern Conference, which has already put in, what, three teams in Omaha and they're on the couch with all their mustard cans and you know, bottles. And t- I mean, it's hard to win it. And, you know, when you got that target on your chest, you catch everybody's best shot. And Notre Dame played terrific baseball. But it's hard to win this sucker. And the fact that we've gone this entire century and the number one overall team has yet to win it tells you all you need to know. Well, Notre Dame, Notre Dame uh, was on a mission. Uh, Tennessee took Notre Dame for granted. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't respect them with all the shenanigans that they pulled during the during the uh, the game, the first game that they played, with people getting ejected. And so when you when that pride and arrogance get into it, and 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 you don't take your you don't take your opponent serious, hey, that's what happens, man. You get you get hit in the face. 
And uh, Arkansas found out about that last year. And so now as we go forward, sir, listen, who I want to know who do you have as a favorite with most of the teams already oh, in. And also let me just add this one little thing. I am in SEC country, but I have the ACC network, and I really enjoy your show. I, have, I, I do not miss it if I don't have to. I just love your commentary, your receiving your guests, and and just continue to put on a great show, and I really enjoy it. But I want to uh, want you to give me some input on what you think. Who's going to be who you, who's going to be your favorite going forward? Stephen, that's a good question. We appreciate you watching and your kind words. Uh, I would tell you that the number two team in the country is Stanford. Uh, they're still alive and mm. kicking after getting uh, pushed around by UConn in game one. They came back and won yesterday. They've got game three today. Again, knock on wood, uh, weather permitting, and the weather's always beautiful in San Francisco where the Giants just got done sweeping the Dodgers. But um, Stanford is the number two overall seed, Wes, would probably be the lean, but I would just warn you, it's normally the hot team, not necessarily what the number is beside your name that gets rolling in uh, Omaha and you know and you got Notre Dame of course is going to be one of those teams but here they're going to take on Texas who looked like they were dead in the water in uh, G Vegas played in East Carolina I mean they Twice. were dead in the water <laughs> and they come out of, yeah. I mean literally they, they literally almost had zero pulse and found a way to steal game two and then dominated and beat East Carolina and eliminated them and so the teams like East Carolina and Virginia Tech making their debuts in terms of, hey, can they get to Omaha and be first-time evers? Neither made it. Uh, so that's a bummer. So uh, I always like the newbies getting to Omaha from that perspective. But I, I don't know. I, that's a great question. But, you know, Arkansas has been playing really good baseball. A&M's been consistently good. All of a sudden, Ole Miss is on fire doing their thing. They didn't give up a run. And they're super regional. I don't need to tell you about Notre Dame after getting absolutely hosed by the committee, not hosting in the regional, and then you know going on the road, dominating with pitching, shocking the college baseball world, knocking off Tennessee. Uh, there's great storylines. That's why I think this is the best NCAA tournament that they have. It's better. Than, I think it's better than March Madness. I think it's better than anything they do. Uh, the storylines in baseball are always interesting when you get to June. Always. Yeah, most of the stuff the NCAA does surrounding the uh, the regionals and the, and the World Series are phenomenal. There are a few things that we'll bring up in Worst of the Weekend that they do that are also ridiculous, yep, but we'll I get agree. to that. Um, let's get to best of because we got a list here, and it's nice to have a lengthy list. Wish it were a touch longer, but we're going to celebrate some national championships here this morning in track and field, and congratulations starts with Dylan Jacobs who overcame a fall. He fell down and won the 10,000 meters at the NCAA championships out in Eugene in 28, 12.32 to capture the national championship. There he is coming around the edge against a fighting lumberjack of Northern Arizona. Look at Dylan Jacobs, who had fallen down earlier, strides it out to win. How about that? Well, he's just giving everybody a chance. Congratulations. You're just giving everybody a chance, Wes. I mean, you know, if you yeah. don't fall down, you win probably haven't eaten a donut crossing the finish line at uh, 10,000 meters. Uh, but, you know, when you fall down and still win, you're getting the job done. Yeah. Still not as impressive, though, yeah. as my okay. guy at Florida State, which we're going to get to here in a minute. Speaking of no, eating we'll donuts. We'll get to that. Speaking of things Packer wished he could do and oh. cannot figure out how one does it, 
Ladies and gentlemen, Gabriella Leon, the NCAA champion outdoors in women's pole vault. Go ahead, Pac, tell me how this works again. I don't know. I, it defies logic that this works. And I, I just, I'm in an awe of pole vaulters. I just, anybody that's ever picked up one of those things, you're like, man, how in the world does this work? And I'm going to do what now? I'm going to stick that pole in that yep, spot and go, go up 18 feet, please. It makes no sense. But uh, tell yeah. you what, we got the national champion uh, outdoor and indoor right here in this league. And they're two different yep. people, by the way. How about that? There you go. Uh, discus, another sport Packer would like to achieve some notoriety in. Claudio Romero of the University of Virginia, 66.17 meters. He handles that discus like you handle a damn dessert plate. That Here we like, go. That looks like me at Bojangles uh, going for the uh, double two-for-one <laughs> sausage and egg biscuit. That's what that looks like. But Claudio looks like, yeah, man, that's cool. Check it out. Yeah, cool. What do I get for this bad boy? Yeah. Free parking? Awesome. Hey, good to see you. Maybe be on yeah. Packer and Durham. Good for him, man. <laughs> Bringing home the hardware All to right. Charlottesville. Like it. Absolutely. All right. Get ready. Here he is. The national champion in the 110 hurdles. Second consecutive. Uh, second fastest time in NCAA history. God. Trey Cunningham. Dude, he is ridiculous. Just means more to LSU. Well, there we go. He just eased right by my fighting tigers there to hit the tape. I am still convinced when we had him on the show after he had won the 60 meters uh, hurdles indoor, I said, I think I could eat a Krispy Kreme donut faster than he could run 60 <laughs> meters. He said he, I could not do it. So that challenge is still on the table. I think he can do yeah. two in 110 meters. That's that would be the that would be the challenge. Two Krispy Kreme donuts that, by the time okay, Trey Cunningham goes 110 meters. That would be a challenge. That's a heck of a race, by the way. That's oh. a heck of a race, by the way. Not between you and Trey Cunningham, but that 110 final where he edged the guy and he had to run the second fastest time ever to do it in 13 flat. He's awesome. So congratulations to Trey Cunningham. Awesome. Uh, Caitlin Tui wins the 5,000 meters national title for NC State, second consecutive year that the Wolfpack have captured the 5K. Ellie Hennis a year ago. Uh, and our friend Hannah Steelman was also in this race too, yeah. Pack. Yep. yep. But Caitlin Tui wins comfortably at 15-18.39. What is it about that uh, NC State crowd that's running, man? You know, if it's not the charity champions that I'm leading away there in South Bend where the Wolfpack took care of business on the uh, ladies' side, I mean, the ladies can flat yep. out fly. They can run. So congratulations yep. to all five ACC student-athletes that uh, brought home hardware. And by the way, Florida State's men's team finished fourth nationally, uh, having a great year too. Mm -hmm. So uh, pretty cool. Good stuff out of Eugene, Oregon. Yep. Um, Debbie Antonelli, officially Saturday night, joins the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame in uh, Knoxville. Our congratulations to Debbie. Well and deserved. also, congratulations. Kelsey Riggs was the uh, mistress of ceremonies there the other night in Knoxville. Well-deserved, man. Just a first-class lady in everything she does. Great family. Yep. Uh, you, you know, you, you like to see good things happen to good people. Well, that's what that story is right there. Simple as that. Yep. Yep. And uh, great to see Frank and Frankie and the boys there. So, 
congratulations to uh, the Antonellis. And uh, a lot to celebrate there, and deservedly so. Uh, best of the weekend. You knew we'd get to link Jarrett and Notre Dame, didn't you? Sure. Six runs in the seventh and eighth innings yesterday to advance to the College World Series, and all of it with two outs. Goodbye. Yeah, that little man. ballpark, that little ballpark they play in there in Knoxville, that ain't going to hold it, brother. But, man, what a series win for Notre Dame and a great one for the Atlantic Coast Conference. Notre Dame goes yep. to the College World Series. That now makes 16 consecutive seasons. The ACC is going to be represented in Omaha. But as I pointed out last yep. week, Wes, getting there is one thing. The object is to have the dog pile. Right there. I mean, so now, mm-hmm. tag your it, Notre Dame. First time back since 02. Link Jarrett and the Irish are playing great baseball. Good luck to them, man. Be great to watch them. Uh, Jack Finley, by the way, came in and tossed five shutout innings and allowed just one hit. Big old left-hander rolls right in there yesterday and starts parking Tennessee guys. Yeah. A lot of squawking from the uh, grandstands about the strike zone. Uh, Jack didn't care. He just started rearing back, didn't he? Yeah, we got players cussing out umpires, fans throwing mustard bottles. I mean, you know, they, they, they Tennessee, like to proclaim classless. That's their deal. I couldn't agree with you more. You're spot on. Right on. Yeah. There you go. That's a, um, hey, listen, that's a talented team, man. But you know what? Yeah, you, it is. There's also a way you handle yourself. And if you want to be the obnoxious jerk in the punk, hey, you can play that role. But, man, when it rolls against you, you look like a clown show. Good luck. Well, not, yep. That's not the only thing for the uh, University of Tennessee that comes across as a clown show when you run your mouth like that. The uh, That's true. Um, NCAA.com yesterday, <laughs> after Notre Dame's win – doubled down on their website. They went with the mind-blown emoji pack. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else you need when uh, when the organization gets after you on the website, right? Well, we're going to get to the NCAA in, in the next segment uh, in which they do NCAA kind of things. But you know what? I, listen, they, they run a great baseball tournament. That's when I, that's going to be yep. my positive with the NCAA on this one. They run a great yep. baseball tournament. Even on last year, they screwed All NC right. State, but that's a whole separate issue. Two more, two more to go here. Uh, Vance Honeycutt had another spectacular defensive play to go along with a pretty good weekend offensively. Here's a saving catch in the ball game against Arkansas. Look at that one, huh? Huge. North Carolina's bats. Now. North Carolina's bats were a little quiet though for this series. I just, uh, I did not expect yep. them to get swept. I mean, I, I, listen, Arkansas is a really yep. good club, big time, playing great. Uh, but that one surprised me. Got to tell you. Uh, we finished best of the weekend. Friend of the show, Rachel Kane Pack. Yep. Got a and Amelia Migliaccio. Uh, helped the United States retain the Curtis Cup over the weekend at Marion in Philadelphia. And in the case of Rachel Keene, she closes the Curtis Cup for a second straight year to clinch it for the United States. And uh, 
In the case of Rachel, Brenda, her mom, of course, who was a Curtis Cupper as well in the mid to late 90s, also did the same thing, clinching matches to retain the Curtis Cup. So congratulations to Rachel and Amelia. There it is, the two-on-two. Two. Yep. Rachel Keen getting the job done. Yep. Yep. So congratulations to uh, Team USA winning the Curtis Cup. That's best of the weekend. When we come back, you know the story. The not-so-good of the weekend. Uh, oh, my God, rain in Chapel Hill. We almost had one of these rain delays where it didn't rain, it felt like. And, uh, oh, Blacksburg. My goodness. Hokies, Tar Heels, cards. The tough side of it next. We'll pack the Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham on a Monday. We just gave you the best of the weekend. Unfortunately, it's time for the worst of the weekend, and the list is long when it comes to baseball. Yeah, and we'll start in uh, Aggieland because Louisville had two cracks at it, didn't they? And couldn't convert. And at the end of the night, uh, the cards, unfortunately, are going to spend the offseason playing what if. Because, Pack, it, it literally comes down to the last three innings both games. And Texas A&M's playing well. Give them credit. Cards just could not hang on, Pack. Yeah, they had two run leads in both games. Uh, then you get to, like you said, seventh, eighth, ninth. Can you close? We emphasized this so much last week on the show. And A&M could. You know, they beat them in the bottom of the ninth in yep. game one, just like Arkansas beat North Carolina in the bottom of the ninth yesterday. That's what it takes. I mean, these are really close, competitive series. A lot of really good teams, and it's normally the key to out hit, much like what we got with Oklahoma at nauseum yesterday in Blacksburg. Those are the differences about whether you're on the couch or whether you're going to Omaha. And AM, to their credit, like you said, sweeps Louisville in two very close competitive games. But AM proved to be the better team when it mattered. Yep. Uh, Florida State made a change in their baseball leadership on Friday afternoon. Mike Martin Jr. was let go after three seasons as head coach. You see the numbers, 77 and 54. They had just played uh, six days earlier in the regionals at Auburn. Um, You had the COVID year, and then – you know, they reached the regionals this year, but three seasons was enough, and athletics director Michael Alford makes the change. And so now Florida State and Clemson both had head baseball coaching vacancies, and to say these are two of the proudest programs in the ACC wouldn't be an understatement, but these are also two of the best jobs available in all of college baseball right now, Pack. Well, that's where I was going to go. I mean, obviously, it's uh, from an ACC perspective, they're big-time gigs, but they're big-time gigs from a national perspective. When you start talking about yep. Omaha and how many times have you seen Florida State and Coach Martin getting his guys there, same thing with the days of you know, Jack Leggett and Bill Wilhelm at Clemson. Uh, even though it's been a while for the Tigers to get back to Omaha, I think it's, what, 2010 might be it, but <laughs> – the tradition and the history at both of these programs where baseball matters. People pay attention to it. These are million-dollar gigs, basically, at both spots. So that'll be a hot topic, I think, not only this week but next week about how those two positions are filled at both Clemson and Florida State. From a national perspective, it's gotten people's attention. 
The uh, college baseball coaches gather in Omaha typically for a couple days uh, around the College World Series to have meetings and things of that nature. How much job hunting gets done there, like at a Final Four or a football coaches convention the week prior to or just after the national championship game, I don't know. But we'll uh, we'll see what we can tap out for you here this week for sure. Uh, speaking of the NCAA, sometimes they conduct championships and they are flawless events that reward the winners and they're incredibly dramatic and they have all the trimmings, right? And then sometimes the organization creates something, doesn't tell anybody about it, and then has to answer questions. And that's what happened in Blacksburg. Somewhere along the way between last weekend and this weekend, the NCAA decided that Virginia Tech's sledgehammer could not be used anymore. Now, why they didn't think of this last weekend, I have no idea. But they thought of it this weekend. And so, therefore, the Hammer and Hokies didn't have their hammer at English Field. And I got to be honest with you, Pat, this is the kind of thing that frustrates the heck out of me about the NCAA, is that you let something happen last weekend, same ballpark, and then this weekend it's not allowed to happen because somebody had a Zoom call and decided to make a rule. You know, a codicil, one of those Dean Wormer Animal House little-known codicils if you will. And this kind of thing is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And the NCAA is famous for this stuff. It's like the cups have to be taken to the floor and not you can't take a bottle to the floor. You know what I mean. It's this kind of stupidity and, you know, ridiculousness that gives them place a bad name, to be honest. Well, it's the reason the rule book is about seven inches too thick. Uh, I, and and I, I read the rule and just started laughing out loud going, are you kidding me? You got to have better things to do with your time. And and if that's affecting anybody, please get a life. Um, right. And like I said, this the, the baseball <clears throat> tournament that the NCAA puts on is out of sight. But that rule and that ruling was almost laugh out loud stupid. And that's what it was. I mean, and unfortunately for Virginia Tech, it, uh, they just didn't play well. I mean, you know, I mean, we can talk, we can sidebar this all you want. Uh, but they just did not hit the baseball, especially yesterday in Game 3 where it mattered the most. But that ruling by the NCAA, uh, again, goes under the old uh, you've-got-to-be-kidding-me routine. Well, here's the thing. College baseball gets to be showcased really nationally for about three and a half weeks, just like the NCAA basketball tournament, right? Yep. I mean, college baseball exists. It starts in the middle of college basketball season. There's heavy spring sports where it does get a toehold in certain leagues. You got a chance to see the personality of baseball teams and embrace those teams as they go along, be it softball, baseball, whatever the case may be. So to change rules midstream of your event is ridiculous. Let it live out this year and then put the rule in. Have a discussion and put the rule in. No, no. You let the the mink coat at uh, at Tennessee exist. You let, but apparently you couldn't bring a hammer outside of the dugout. Whatever that story is, it's ridiculous. They did it the week before, and now they can't do it. Makes no sense whatsoever. Well, and, 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 I, and I didn't, and I didn't have a problem with anybody's celebration. I, I, let me make that I really clear. I, I, hey, the kids are having fun, man. They're eighteen to twenty two year olds. They're playing a sport. Uh, it gives the sport, I think, some personality. 
Now, can you cross the line? Sure you can. But, I mean, come on, man. That, that wasn't affecting anybody. Uh, that That's a rah-rah, uh, let's go get them. You know, God just went yard, bang. Here's, I mean, the whole thing was a comical joke by the NCAA. But it is what it right. is. And I mean. I, I, the thing that upset me more than anything else was the way Virginia Tech just did not hit the baseball. That That's what I wanted to see. I mean, the sledgehammer rule was stupid by the NCAA. Okay, they make it. Now let's move forward. But unfortunately, the Hokies just didn't get the job done yesterday. Well, only two hits in the 11-2 loss to Oklahoma, also on the uh, worst of the list, uh, right. worst of list for the weekend as well. Uh, you hate it for John Sheff and his team. They've had too good a year. And, you know, here's the other thing. The vibe in Blacksburg at the end of softball and at the end of baseball, two really spectacular spring teams in the Atlantic Coast Conference, and packets, unfortunately, a very quiet finish. And you hate it for those two programs, specifically in Blacksburg. Yeah, I mean, the the, in, the intent was, hey, we're going to get to Oklahoma City, we're going to get to Omaha, and we'll take our chances to try to win a national championship. I, if you would have told me you know, a month ago uh, they're going to have all or nothing in terms of Virginia Tech softball right. and baseball team – Getting to Omaha and Oklahoma State, I would have, I would have said, all right, I'm a gambling man on this one. I think they're both going to get there. I would have told you that. And right. the fact that neither one got there, gotta be honest with you, is a little surprising. But they both had great, great seasons, really tremendous years. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma had five home runs in the ball game yesterday uh, in Blacksburg as well. That's the worst of the weekend. Again, this team a little bit of a little bit of tournament experience understands kind of where things are, and with the pitching staff that had an ERA near five five coming into the super regional, they had to get offensive in order to win it, and they did. A lot of two out hits, as we said, now are one, and the Sooners are winners. Weather became a critical piece of the issue in Chapel Hill. Yesterday's ball game was stopped twice for weather delays. Um, there was also weather involving in the East Carolina-Texas series down the road at Greenville, North Carolina. But yesterday in Chapel Hill, they started. They got to inning two, I think, stopped, went away. They came back. Then they stopped. I mean, it's just – it was countless. And delays really impacted the Carolina-Arkansas game yesterday at the Bosch in Chapel Hill. So that was the worst of the weekend. And by the end, Carolina – you know, two weather delays, you usually chase off most of your crowd regardless of uh, of their sturdiness, and uh, and that seemed to be the case yesterday. And it also coincides with Carolina's ninth inning yesterday, too, and unfortunately that makes the worst of the weekend list. Carolina had a lead in the ninth, a couple of singles, and then Arkansas's Brady Slavens ends up with the game winner here. Bummer. Well, that's the only way to describe it. I mean, seriously, North yep. Carolina fans, I know, ACC fans were hoping for a game three today, even though the highs are supposed to be in the upper 90s. You'd have said, hey, sign me Ooh. up. Let's go play. Loser leave town match. But yep. uh, you're up 3-2 in the ninth. You got to close. It's like Louisville and A&M. That's it. You got a two-run lead. You're getting in late. You got to go close it. And if you don't, you're sitting on home. You're sitting at home on the couch. And unfortunately for both Louisville and North Carolina and Virginia Tech, uh, the Super Regionals were not so super. But uh, Notre Dame carries the banner for the ACC as they head to Omaha uh, beginning next week. So uh, we wish uh, Link Jarrett and the guys the best of luck. Can't wait to see how that plays out. 
There you go. When we come back, two-a-day start on Packer and Durham. Duke has got Mike Elko as their head coach. They've gone through a spring. Steve Weissman covers the Blue Devils for the News and Observer in Raleigh, and he kicks off our two-a-days on Packer and Durham next. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham on a Monday, 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. Wes, as you pointed out, uh, we're going to start two a days. Uh, I know we still got Omaha on the brain with Notre Dame still alive and kicking, That's right. but uh, football is right around the corner. We're about, what, four or five weeks away from media days and everything else, and uh, it will be mm-hmm. here before you know it. I think we're like, what, 75 days away from the start of the college football season, so it's around the corner. Can't get here fast enough. Steve Weissman does a great job covering Duke uh, across the board for the News and Observer in Raleigh. He joins us this morning. Uh, Steve, we know Mike Elko's in year one. They went through spring. They got a lot of momentum, it feels like, as a, as a new collaborative staff. But what have we learned about Mike Elko as a first-time head coach so far in his tenure with the Blue Devils? Yeah, you know, he's, he's really trying to, um, to instill – you know, the, the cliche culture change, right? I mean, uh, he, he, this program, the last two years has been the worst in the ACC on the field by any measure you can want to, want to look at. So these guys aren't used to having success again. You've got to, you've got to get that going again, right? You've got to, you've got to teach them how to, how to win, how to, how to do things the right way. And, and, and it, you know, uh, that, that's what he's doing. He's, he's working on that first. Um, you know, he's, you want to try to build talent back up. He's got a few guys coming through the transfer portal, but you know this is an uphill battle. I mean, they're they're at the bottom of the league, and uh, so uh, it's going to take a little bit for them to, to get this turned around. You know, Steve, uh, this is going to sound like a crazy question, but I've enjoyed uh, talking to Mike Elko because he is a mm-hmm. football coach. Now, I know if people are watching or listening, going, "Well, no kidding, Pack. He's a head football." There are certain guys you talk to, I think as head coaches, that feel like CEOs, right? I mean, they 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 got right. their hands in. But when you talk to Elko, I, I kind of feel like I'm talking to a real football coach. Like all the other stuff, yeah, it's part of my job description. But what I really want to do is coach football. And I get that feeling every time I talk to Mike Elko. I'm curious if you feel the same way. Yeah, it's a very good point. And, um, you know, one thing was good about spring football this year is it was open to the media. So we were able to see him in action doing that stuff. That was a change from the previous regime. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, you got you got to look at him, you know, interacting with players and, and, and seeing him, you know, out there on the field going from different groups and all that. I'm not saying David Cuckliffe didn't do that, too. Of course, he he went to different groups and stuff on, on practice field. But, but Mike Elko, yeah, he's got that that energy, you know, he's, he's, um, uh, he's used to, to working at, at the highest levels of college football. He's been at A&M, Notre Dame before that. Uh, so, um, he, he knows what needs to be done and, uh, yeah, he's, he's really, uh, personable that way. And, um, uh, he, he's a football coach and he's, he's here to, to do one thing and that's make, make Duke back into a, a program that competes for bowl games every year. Steve, let's go a little deeper here. I want to talk about the staff as much as I want to talk about personnel on the field here. I mean, we know there's going to be a quarterback situation. Jordan Moore did enough at quarterback last year that I think 
he and uh, Luca Diamont, Diamont rather, they're, they're going to have a battle. I mean, I understand that part. And they'll ultimately, I guess, get to somebody. Jordan Waters, Jalen Coleman look to be the two guys you might look at it in terms of running backs. We'll, we'll get to that. But here's Kevin Johns coming in as the offensive coordinator. Elko's got a defensive background, understood there. Um, but what do we know about Kevin Johns? What do we know about kind of the package there? Rob Smith, the defensive coordinator. What do we know about – but Elko, I am guess, is going to be – it's his defensive framework. John or uh, Smith, rather, is just going to be the guy providing the structure for it. Right, right. And let's let's start on defense real quick if we could because that's where we might see the, the quickest impact because of, of the quality of, of coaching there, right? So, um, uh, you know, at, at A&M – Elko's system was, you know, they, they, they use different fronts. They Sometimes it was a three-man, sometimes it was a four-man. They tried to confuse people, use different schemes that way. So he's going to try to do that here, obviously. Um, uh, you know, not the kind of talent they had at A&M, but that's, that's the base of what they're going to do. And then, uh, you know, Rob Smith at Rutgers was good at creating turnovers. I mean, they averaged two years ago at Rutgers almost two turnovers forced a game. Last year it was down a little bit, but it was still at least one a game. They had 17 in their 13 games. So uh, that's where you need to get things going, right? You, you, you can, uh, you know, you can change things up quickly with creating turnovers. So if they can do that, we know how bad turnovers were for Duke the other way uh, mm. the last couple of years. Uh, so if they can start forcing some on defense, that'll be a big thing. And Kevin Johns, you know, one thing I noticed in spring ball, especially with the quarterbacks with, um, you know, they've got to do some different things like, like Jordan Moore, for example, I saw a couple of times where he would, uh, you know, drop back to pass, start to run, Stop, pull up, and then you know make make a pass to the underneath after guys, you know the defense closes in on him and he starts to rush. That's something we didn't see a lot previously, um, and that's just one little wrinkle I saw. Like they're they're trying to think creatively and, and try to do you know some different things rather than just have a guy you know in the pocket doing that or you know more take off and run. Um, some of the predictable you know uh, design draws maybe we saw previously. Stephen, coming off an, uh, an offer in the league last year, new coaching staff. We can go through all the the litany of things of why Duke was three and nine. You got to walk before you run. Is it feasible to believe that this is a program that could get to a bowl in twenty two, or is that kind of a reach, in your opinion? I think that's a reach at this point. To be to be completely frank, um, just because they they have to come so far and they don't have experience at. You know, key position. I mean, they don't have a quarterback coming back. Uh, you know, it, you mentioned Jordan Moore. I mentioned him earlier. Riley Leonard, Luca Diamant, yeah. who, who now is also getting some action at wide receiver a little bit too. So, um, yeah. You, and you got you lost Mateo Durant. You know, great running back last year. Jalen Coleman there. Uh, they have some experience at, at on the offensive line. They have four starters back. A couple of you know receivers. You know, mm-hmm. Jalen Calhoun is coming back out there. Daryl Harding, but. Uh, I just think it's too much to ask a young quarterback is going to be an inexperienced guy at quarterback leading this team to come out and get four ACC wins, which is probably what you're going to need to, to go to a bowl game. Um, uh, you know, so uh, that, that that's a lot. But, but I mean, I think we'll see incremental improvement this year. I think that's what their goal is. Um, I'll be surprised if we don't see them play better on the field. Just like, you know, maybe, maybe you can get four, if you get four wins this year after what they've been through, uh, it's possible. I mean, they have to go to Kansas. You got, I see you got the schedule up here. Um, you know, uh, Northwestern's going to be a tough game on the road. I mean, Temple and A&T, or you look like you can maybe get some wins there. Then you got to find you know some other wins in, in conference play. And they, you know, they just were not competitive at all last year. 
other than their game against Georgia Tech. I mean, they were blown out of every game, so um, that's going to be a tough, tough hill to climb. Steve, if if you had to measure a little bit, I, I mean, I look at the offensive line and they're guys that have played there. A uh, couple of games here, a couple of games there. Defensive line, I feel a little better about with a, a player like Dwayne Carter and R.J. Oban, who's made some plays and flashed a little bit. Um, but yet, on the whole, here, I mean, there there's some. This is a major rebuild at, at a time where the last couple of years it didn't go well, and now all of a sudden, Mike Elko's been given like a brick here and a brick there. He hadn't been given a room yet to build the house, right? Correct. And yeah, I mean, it, it is nice to have offensive linemen that have played, right? You got four, like I said, four starters back. So that's at least something you can look at and say, okay, maybe we can plug in some things here and get some things done there. Because uh, if you don't have a good offensive line play, you're not going to have any, any luck on offense. And Dwayne Carter is a great guy to, to build around on defense in, in the front there. Um, but, uh, you know, they've got a young guy, B.J. Anthony, uh, from uh, here in Durham, Durham Jordan High School. He came in. He's a freshman. He came in for spring ball. He really looked good as an edge rusher. He projects as somebody I think might be really good down the road. He's probably going to play some this year. And so there's a young guy. Maybe if you can get him going, you've got a couple of guys up front you can start doing things with. But, you know, the secondary was so bad last year, and they averaged, you know, they gave up over 500 yards a game, uh, the defense did. So that's, that's really you know, obviously the worst in the ACC. And they don't have a lot of experience back on the back end. And uh, they got a transfer coming in from Iowa State, Detron Young, uh, at cornerback uh, that maybe can help him out there because he's got some experience playing in the Big 12. Uh, but, you know, there's just a lot of holes there. Shaka Hayward uh, at linebacker is, you know, a very good linebacker in the middle. So, like you said, yep. there's pieces here and pieces there. But it's hard to look at that unit and say, you know, we're going to see, you know, huge leaps that would get them to be in, you know, competitive, um, you know, to, to, to maybe try to get a bowl game. Steve, before I let you go, uh, you've had an interesting job covering Duke. I mean, this past year, the the, the position <laughs> of transition between what Nina King running the show at athletic director, you got a new football coach, you got a new basketball coach, uh, the new general manager for basketball. I mean, it's yeah. been kind of an amazing time for duke fans hasn't it I mean, given the major sports if you will and, and really it's you got a front row seat for all of this yeah i mean i you know i always bragged i, I had the same ad coaches for the whole time i was on the beat for like 10 11 years and then in one year whoosh it's all changed it's all as we used to home group but you know change is good right it's it, it livens things up and everything but you know, I mean, for the most part, I mean, John Shire was already on staff and Nina King was already on staff. So it's not people I have to start with you know, brand new. I mean, I have an uh, 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 existing relationship with those guys. But, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a change on the Duke front. And, you know, they're turning the page to a new uh, a new generation, right? Uh, to to uh, mark it back to JFK, right? Uh, <laughs> a, new, a, a new generation is now running Duke, Duke sports. Uh, uh, people younger than me, actually, younger than all of us, right? So um, it's it's a changing landscape in college sports overall. So it's probably good that mm. we have uh, some fresh eyes on it, some people that look at it from different angles. All right. Steve, appreciate the time. See you in July. Very good. See you in Charlotte. Take care. All right. Steve Weissman covers Duke football and Duke athletics for the News Observer in Raleigh. We're always appreciative of his time. When we come back, Gabriella Leone joins us at 9.30. She's the NCAA pole vault champion on the ladies' side. 
but she's also a subject of our all-access package as well. We'll show you that and more, plus the interesting question for Packer and Durham. What track and field event do you think you could be successful with? Huh. All that and more next. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Just got out of practice and we're working on a power lift today while also moving fast. Here is our weight room. To be a good pole vaulter, there's so many different aspects that go into it. You need to be fast, you need to be strong, you need to have good body awareness, good body control. There's so many different things we train for. It's not just running and jumping with a stick. Come on, Gab. Good, come on, two more. Come on, push on that last one. Nice. We do gymnastics a lot to help with body control. There's just a lot of different things going on because you have to be fast on the runway. You have to be able to jump up while at the takeoff and you have to be able to have that strength and body control in the air to maneuver the pole and to help you jump higher. The pole vault is such a different event. You have to have a mentality that's different than a lot of other events in track and field. Um, and she's someone that has that and that's made her um, a really great you know, prospect here and then developing the technical side of things. Um, while she's been here has been how she's been able to continue to get better. We go to practice to work hard and get better every single day. We'll cheer for each other at practice. It's really just an uplifting environment. Again, like so blessed to be at this school and be at a program where the whole team can lift each other up and the whole team works hard together. Do you want me to stand this pole or go up? There we go. Nice, Lily. That was way better off the ground. There we go. Nice. That was way better through the top. So the, the video kind of allows her to see, you know, like, hey, you're saying I'm doing this, but when I, I don't feel that. And then when she sees it, then she, oh, okay. Yeah, now I get it now, you know, and so, um, so I think video can be a great resource. I just, I'm amazed by the pole vault. I just, it doesn't even make any sense that that works. And by the way, that move Gabriella that Ga- Leon will be here move, at nine thirty. She'll be here move, at nine thirty. That move that Gabriella does with the rope and she gets inverted. Uh, I've started that process, Wes. Going to have that right down here on the other side of the uh, of the uh, studio. No. The rope. No. Get inverted. No, you don't. Nope. No. No, you don't. Nope. With that, you got a lot disaster. of good things going on. You got a lot of good things going on. That, however, is not one of the good things you have going. on. Disaster. That's why I love track the and field. Closest you, yeah. The closest you come to any of this is the, the part where you lay on the cart and shove off the wall. I got that pole. move. That got would be that. the closest. Yeah, I have that could, move. Down. You and I could do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We could do that. How about the rolling with the wheel? How about the whole rolling with the wheel? Could you roll with the I wheel can, on the I can floor? handle that. I can handle that one too. Okay. 
All right. I, I'm amazed. Uh, I, I'm in awe of track and field athletes. I am. I've told you this before. And yeah. I wished I just – it'd be one of the things I wish I could do. I wish I could really run because it just looks like it's so much fun for people who can do it. But, man, it is a nightmare. But, gosh. Yeah. Five track and field athletes have won national titles over the weekend in Eugene and the ACC. Mm-hmm. Pretty impressive. Here they are. Look at here. Trey Cunningham, our man in the 110. Dylan Jacobs, 10,000 meters. Claudio Romero, sling it down the field one time, I'm out of here. Caitlin Tui, 5,000 meters. And Gabriella Leon, who will be here at 930 in the pole vault. What would be the worst possible event for you? Uh, worst event. The worst would be anything that's long distance running. That would be the worst event for me. <laughs> any any <laughs> long distance running where they say, Pack, you're not allowed to drive the chariot of champions. You must now get on your two feet and move forward as fast and as possible. Run. That would not be good. That would not be uh that would not okay. end well. It'd be like the Dodgers going to uh, San Francisco for a weekend trip. That would not yeah. end well. Any of the field events you think you could? I think like the long jump, I could handle that. I'd be exhausted after uh, one uh, heave. Um, but like the discus, I'd give the discus a shot. The javelin, I've thrown this Florida State, you know, the sentence, the javelin, I've thrown it in a neighbor's backyard before while they were out of town because they got a big yard. Uh, the javelin's pretty cool, but, you know, you got to worry about piercing yourself if you're not really paying attention. Yeah. Uh, I, I would not be good at any of the track and field events, but I enjoy watching all of them because I'm like I told you, I'm in total yeah. awe of what the men and women were able to accomplish. They're incredible. All right, busy nine o'clock hour on the way. Brent Axel join us at nine fifteen from Central New York. We'll talk about Dino Babers and the Syracuse football team, and at nine thirty, the national champion in the pole vault, Gabriella Leone, is back. We will outdoor. talk to her as well. Outdoor. When we, we, wait a minute. Yeah, we got outdoor. the outdoor. we have the indoor champion at Virginia Tech and the right. outdoor champion from Louisville. So that's yeah. what we got in this league. There you go. We own the pole there vault. There we do. Champs own the pole vault. Uh, when when we come back, the high and lows of four super regionals in the ACC. Uh, Notre Dame is headed to Omaha. For the first time since 2002. It's been 20 years for the Irish. And they're headed back to northeast Nebraska next week. And we're back to Chronicle next. Packer and Durham.